Good morning. It's strange to be here for the last time sharing with you today. And I have to admit that this has been the most difficult sermon I've ever had to write because there's so much that I could share and hope to communicate. But honestly, we, we don't have time for me to say it all. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying about this message. And as I was, I was also reflecting and reminiscing on my time here at St. Tim's, the last 11 years on full-time staff uh, and an entire lifetime as a member. Earlier this week, I was talking with some folks at my going away party and was thinking, I was 23 years old when I began full-time work here. And the kids who were in sixth and seventh grade then are about 22, 23 years old now. They were the same age now as I was when I started my ministry here. I will be forever grateful to St. Tim's for the opportunity to grow up, to grow in faith, and to discern and grow into my calling in this community of faith. From my baptism in February of 1987 to today, St. Timothy's has been the community within which my faith has been incubated and cultivated and nurtured, and my calling has been discerned. So after everything, to have this opportunity to share with you from God's word one last time, I found myself with a little bit of writer's block. You know, I've spent so much time praying about what I would share today, but also praying for St. Timothy's and its ministry moving forward as I move on. And the fruit of that prayer is what I would like to share with you all today. I wanted to share some scripture passages that have been meaningful to me in my ministry and that I continue to pray over St. Tim's and its ministry as we go our separate ways. I'll primarily focus on the text from Colossians chapter three, verses 15 through 17. And it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you are indeed called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And today, I'm just going to walk us through this passage. And as I do so, I believe and I hope that God would reveal to you as individuals and as a church, his desires, his heart, his hopes, and his will. It starts like this. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now just sit with that passage for a second. I don't know about you, but I feel a sense of almost physical relief and refreshing wash over me as I think of the idea of the peace of Christ. 
because peace would not be the first word that I would use to describe my everyday life experience. And perhaps it isn't yours either. You know, the world around us is chaotic and divisive right now. We are constantly bombarded with messages on this 24-hour news experience cycle. And it seems like the ground is almost shifting within our feet as we try to find a firm place to stand. And that's just the, the world outside of us. And then it's how it interacts with our own internal experience. And all of this comes together to create an experience of life as individuals and together that I think peace would not be how we would use to describe it. But Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And as the body of Christ, we are where the peace of God rules. St. Timothy's, my prayer for you is that this would be a place where you live in to the peace of God. The peace that transcends all understanding that can only come from him. And I don't mean a superficial kind of peace. That kind of Pax Romana kind of peace where we all agree to sheathe our weapons for now. But the underlying discomfort is still there. That anxiety and that sense of unease that this peace is just a veneer. That's not the kind of peace that is the peace of Christ, but it's the kind of peace that so many of us live in. Rather, the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts is the peace that only comes as the fruit of our having been freely reconciled to God by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the peace that can truly say, I can forgive because I have been forgiven. I can love because I have been loved. And we can be one because the one who unites us is God himself. My prayer for you is that you would let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And as we move on, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Now here is the opportunity for, uh, for grammar nerds among us to rejoice. And if that is not you, I, uh, I ask you to hang in with us because I promise there's a payoff. Uh, and this opportunity to sort of explore uh, pronouns and prepositions has real life practical theological implications for us. You know, the word you that is used in this passage, let the word of Christ dwell in you. In Greek, that word is plural. And that has major implications for how we understand this passage. It's not just you, the individual. And as Western Christians, it's so easy for us to read the word you and read it as me rather than as us. But here, this is the plural you. This is the 
us that God is speaking to. And the preposition that gets translated as in might be more appropriately translated in this context as among. You know, Greek prepositions often have this incredible range of potential meanings, and we discern which specific one is best translated into English by the context within which we find it. And so I'm going to propose today the JHU translation. The Joe Hill unofficial translation of this passage might read uh, more appropriately, let the word of Christ dwell among y'all. The gospel is not something that we cherish as individuals, but then partition off as part of our religious life or as part of our life that we, we do on Sunday mornings and Tuesday nights. Rather, it's a holistic experience and a reality that is shared between God's people in all circumstances. That's what it looks like for the word of Christ to dwell richly among us. It is a shared reality, not one that we sequester away within our personal lives and it doesn't show anywhere else. And it is this rich reality shared between us that happens when we teach and encourage, when we admonish one another in the wisdom that comes from Christ. And that wisdom is found in God's word when we prayerfully turn our hearts and minds towards it. And it happens when we share that experience together. There was a years-long study done by the Barna Group, a group that does research and compiles data on the spiritual and religious trends of the church and of America and our broader culture uh, together. And in this study, they found that 61% of Christians, 55% of non-practicing Christians, and 55% of non-Christians are interested in having conversations about faith and spiritual matters with their friends. How many of you would be interested in having spiritual and faith-filled conversations with those you're close with? But how often do we do it? You know, it can, sometimes it can feel weird. It can feel personal or awkward to be the one who brings it up. But the reality is that there are so many of us and so many people out there who are hungry for real and authentic questions about faith and spirituality. And in fact, the same study said that one third of all U.S. adults say that they have had a major change in their life come about as the result of a conversation that they had with somebody about faith. We have so much to gain, so much to offer by being proactive about our faith conversations. And so don't be afraid. You know, my life was transformed because of all of the people here at St. Tim's who were willing to talk to me about faith through every age and every stage of life. I remember Marge and Karin Stake 
the first Sunday school teachers I can remember having here at St. Tim's. I remember being in this very sanctuary during Sunday school time, singing songs right up in the front pews here with Mrs. Pentacura when the carpet was still orange and shag. Yeah, we, we, we've come a long way. I also survived Sunday school as a fourth grader with Tim Stalkey. And I'm blessed to still call him a brother in Christ today as him and I meet together regularly for, uh, for breakfast at the cup and saucer to talk about life and faith, music, family, and whatever else it is that might come up. I also remember my high school small group leader, Don Thompson. He was the first person I can remember who encouraged me specifically to consider going into ministry. He was the first one. And I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for his words to me at that pivotal time in my life when I was trying to discern God's will. <sighs> he was also the first person that I remember talking seriously with me about death. When I was a freshman in college, at that same time that he was encouraging, encouraging me to consider ministry, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and invited me to be a part of his life as he went through that process of battling cancer and ultimately going home to be with the Lord. And in that he modeled true faith and confidence in Christ. I look forward to seeing him again one day. I wouldn't be where I am today without him. Now, in preparation for this message, I actually wrote out a list. And I won't read it to you because it got awfully long. But as I was writing down names and got upwards of 30 and 40 and 50 plus people that I could identify specific ways in which they had invested in my own life and in my faith in meaningful ways here at St. Tim's, it became abundantly clear to me. If it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a church to raise a child in faith. It takes a church where the word of Christ dwells richly. I think that's why our Deuteronomy text for today uh, says that the word, these commandments should be on our hearts. They should be the things we talk about in our homes, when we're sitting at our tables, when we're going along our way, when we lay down and when we stand up. It says that we should bind them as symbols on our, hand, on our hands and on our foreheads. They should be a natural part of who we are in an ever-present reality in our relationships. Thank you, St. Timothy's, for being this church for me. A church where the word of Christ dwells richly. And I challenge you to continue to be that church proactively for every infant and toddler, child and teen, young adult, grown adult, married couple, family, widow and widower. Because there is no age and stage where we do not need the word of Christ to dwell richly among us. So teach and encourage one another. Because you never know the kind of impact 
that those relationships and those conversations might have on people. You know, in our gospel text today, I'm not entirely sure that Andrew had any idea what was going to happen when he brought his brother Peter to see Jesus. Nonetheless, he brought Peter to see Jesus. It's been my prayer throughout my ministry that I could be like Andrew, that I could be the one who tells people, come and see, we have found the Messiah and point them to Jesus. And it is my prayer that that kind of ministry would be on the hearts of each and every person hearing this message today. To be the one who brings others to see Jesus. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this is a, this is a big, all-encompassing kind of statement here whatever you do. He doesn't just say with the big things or the challenging things or the things that it feels like it is outside of our own power to do. He says in all things, do it in the name of Jesus. When you're at home, in your schools, your workplaces, with your families, your friends, your sports teams, and more, Wherever it is that you find yourself and whatever it is that you find yourself doing, be there and do it in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Think about and pray about God, what, is it, what it is that God is calling you to do in your life and who it is that he is calling you to be. In word and deed, how you speak and how you act. I'm going to share with you one of my least favorite quotes from, you know, popular Christian culture. It's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. uh, And it goes like this. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. That's one of my least favorite quotes. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's not because it's not true. That is a true statement, but it makes me uneasy because I would hate for there to be people out there who consider it license to withhold talking about Jesus. To do their good deeds and leave the name of Jesus Christ unspoken. My dad once told me about an encounter he had with a young man at a coffee shop, you know, at St. Tim's uh, in the past. And we still have the little hanger out in the narthex. We used to give away these little cross necklaces. And they're made up of three nails. Uh, It was a program that we called the cross away program. And the idea is that you would wear this cross necklace And whenever somebody would mention something about it, and it often happened because it's an interesting and a a rather striking necklace. Whenever somebody would call it out or mention something, you could take that as an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And then you give that cross necklace away. 
And there were plenty more to get when you came back to church the next Sunday. And so my dad would wear these necklaces all the time. And this guy at the coffee shop pointed it out, said, hey, that's a, that's a pretty cool necklace. My dad said, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a, it represents the cross of Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? And you know what this, this young man said? He said, no. This young man got into adulthood at a coffee shop, not even two miles away from St. Timothy's Lutheran church and countless other churches in this area had grown up into adulthood and did not know about Jesus. He hadn't heard. Nobody had told him. St. Timothy's do not take for granted that the people around us have heard. And so in word and deed, live in the name of Christ. You know, I, I don't want my apprehension about this St. Francis quote to make you think that you can go about being a jerk to people as long as you talk about Jesus. That is not the point. The point is that the witness of the church is powerful when both our words and our deeds glorify God in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus puts it this way. He says, Then the people will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, as I come in for a close today, I want to point something out about this text. Each of the three verses that we read from Colossians end with a comment about thankfulness. There's a correlation in scripture between gratitude and faith. It shows up all the time. Those who forget to give thanks, forget how much they have to give thanks for, and they forget to whom the thanks is due. So give thanks to God. I believe that this last year has taught us all about how easy it is to take things for granted. You know, we take the little things for granted and then when they're gone, we realize that they were never really little things, right? I pray that we would never take our church, that we would never take one another for granted, that we would give thanks for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for our community of faith here at St. Tim. Today, we read three verses that all end in thankfulness, that all end in gratitude. And so that is where I would like to end as well. I'm beyond thankful for the years I had on staff here at St. Tim's and for the many years before that, that I had as a part of this community of faith growing up for every single one of you who prayed for me, who taught a Sunday school class or led a small group for those of you who joined me on missions trips and partnered with me in serving the community here, but also those who served me 
in different ways. And as I mentioned, there's more of you than I could count. You helped steward the faith for me. As I grew up here at St. Tim's, And it is because of what you did and what God has done through you that I am who I am today and am going on to what he has next in store for me. I speak for Elizabeth as well in saying that and in saying thank you. And now as my family moves on, as we move on to what God has in store for us next, I thank God that we got to grow up in a church that showed up for us in the name of Jesus, a church in which the word of Christ has dwelt richly. And I pray that you would continue to show up for one another in the name of Jesus as well. The next time you're in your grow group, the next time you're here in the sanctuary, I encourage you to look around because each and every one of those people needs you to show up for them in the name of Jesus. And the next time you're here in this sanctuary, I want you to look at those doors at the back of the sanctuary and know that there is a world out there that desperately needs the people of God to show up for them in the name of Jesus too. St. Tim's, I love you and I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I've had to grow up here, to serve here, to grow in faith, to have my calling nurtured and to be empowered and sent. I'm so grateful for that and I thank you. And I pray that as you move on into the future of what God has in store for you, that you would continue to nurture the faiths of one another, of the kids in this church, of the teens, even though they're scary, I understand. Each and every one of you has a calling from God, a vocation, that you would do whatever it is you do in word or deed, in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.